and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. If you celebrated Thanksgiving this weekend, we hope you enjoyed your holiday. We know that many plans were canceled this year, including mine, but uh, my husband and I, we still went all out on the food, and we'll be eating leftovers for a long time. And we even hosted a virtual quilt retreat, so it was really nice to connect with everyone online and get some Christmas sewing done. Uh, If you missed the retreat, you can still catch up by visiting us on Instagram and Facebook to look at our past posts. There's still a lot of pictures and comments coming in, so there's definitely still time to join in. Today's show is a really great one. We're talking about getting to know your sewing machine better. We know for many quilters, a sewing machine is an important relationship, and we know some of you even have names for your sewing machine. So it's a good idea to take the time to get to know your machine and strengthen that bond between you. We also share some amazing stories of how local quilt shops are continuing to get creative in this pandemic some sewing hacks from our listeners, tricks for trimming your blocks to size, and how to organize your sewing machine parts. So let's dive in. Unless you only do handwork, your sewing machine is your most used and probably your most expensive item in your sewing room. But are you really using it to its full potential? I'm here with Doris, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, to share some tips for learning more about your machine, as well as some fun and surprising things we've learned our machines do after digging in more. Each sewing machine is different, but the basic principle and parts are the same. You may have a used machine, a vintage machine, a new basic model, the top of the line luxury model, or something in between. They will all sew, but different models will have different features, stitches, speed settings, and feel, and sound even, different as you sew with them. So true. I remember one of our staff members saying that she thought there was something wrong with her brand new machine because it was so much quieter than the one she upgraded from. So different machines can definitely take some time to get used to. So there are three types of machines basically. There's the mechanical or manual sewing machines, the electronic machines with push button controls, and computerized sewing machines with the built-in memory. But no matter what kind of machine you have, it's important to spend some time getting to know how it works. The best way to get to know your machine is to read the owner's manual and play around with the various features of the machine. That's absolutely true, but who wants to sit down and read an owner's manual, right? (laughs) For anything. But if you only read the sections you are using in your sewing right now, it won't take long, and that is a great start. For example, if you don't make buttonholes, no need to read that part. If the machine is new to you, read the sections on how to wind a bobbin, how to load a bobbin, and thread the machine. 
if you're doing anything wrong with these three functions, you're going to experience frustration with your machine. I have an Elna mid-level machine that I've owned for six years. Last month, I learned I was not threading the thread correctly around the tension knob when winding bobbins. My bobbins were hit and miss with how well they were wound. And after six years, a machine technician pointed this out. And <laughs> frustration. <laughs> wow, that's so crazy. <laughs> Um, I've had my machine for almost four years now and didn't know I could program the default stitch. So for years, I've been changing the stitch every time I turn my machine on. And I only discovered it when my mom, who owns the same machine as I do, mentioned it to me. So especially when you upgrade a machine that may come with a lot of different feet or throat plates or accessories. It's amazing the power you'll feel when you know what to do with them and how they can make your sewing life easier. Now let's start with some basics. With any machine, you should thread the upper thread with the presser foot raised. The reason for this is that it releases pressure on the tension discs so your thread easily slips in where it needs to be to operate correctly. And using the correct size of spool thread caps for the size spool you are using is important too. Most machines come with a small and a large spool cap or a holder, so using them correctly will help the thread unwind evenly and properly. Another accessory that's good to get familiar with are the presser feet that come with your machine. Did you know that some feet have markings on the top of them that are measurements for lining up the seam allowance or needle placement? There are basically grooves in the metal on the top side of the foot. I had no idea, so I went and pulled out all of the feet for my machine and realized that my quarter inch foot has three one quarter inch markings along the side to be used as a guide for stopping a quarter inch, a half inch, or three quarters inch from the edge of the fabric. Yeah, another little bit of information that I gleaned from looking through my owner's manual is recommended needle thread combinations. So if you only sew on quilting cotton with the same brand, brand of thread, this maybe isn't as useful to you. However, if you sew on different weights of fabric, you'll want to look for this in, uh, for your machine. Knowing what size needle you should use with what weight of thread can be very useful and save you a lot of struggling with your machine to get your stitches to look nice. And some machines even have suggested thread brands that work best with the machine. So if you have trouble with tension and nothing you do seems to help, maybe try changing thread brands to see if that works. It sounds strange, but that's true. I had a machine that could not sew with one particular brand of thread, and I never imagined that was the problem, but it was. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's also a good idea to always sew a test so a test seam when you switch threads because every machine handles different thread in different ways. When you sew a test seam, you will notice if it is balanced and neat. If the thread of the seam looks different on the bottom than on the top, or if the fabric is bunched up, rethread your machine and sew another test seam. If issues persist, you may need to adjust the tension on your machine, but first consult your manual since it varies from one machine to another. Most manuals include the best tension settings to work with as well. And besides reading the manual, another fun way to get to know your machine better is to make a stitch sampler to reference. 
I've done this a few times when I've gotten a new machine. So basically you take a you know, scrap piece of fabric and stitch a line of each stitch your machine has on the fabric. And I like to label each stitching line with the number stitch on my machine with a permanent marker so I can easily tell what's what. So this helps me instantly see which are my go-to stitches, which ones I may want to experiment with later, and to see the difference um, between similar looking stitches. Because let's be honest, sometimes the small little drawings of the stitches on your machine aren't always clear. <laughs> That's true. That's a great idea too, making a stitch sampler. And don't forget to push your machine to the limits. That's the true test of what it can do. I've played around with um, the fancy stitches on my machine a little bit, changing stitch lengths and stitch width to come up with different quilting designs or even stitches that I'll use for different type of applique. Um, since I don't feel very comfortable with free motion quilting, it gives me a little variety when I do my own, um, quilt my own quilts. So true. Um, my machine is a tiny one and super basic. It only has nine inches of throat space. So when I first got at the thought of quilting a throw or bed size quilt one, um, probably sounded crazy to some people. It sounded crazy to me, but I just tried it and figured out what stitches and techniques work best for machine quilting in that small amount of space. And now I'm very comfortable using my, my little workhorse to quilt my own projects, but I never would have been able to finish my own quilt without trying and like learning from those experiences. That's a great example. And I've seen some of the quilts that you've done on your little machine. It's impressive. That you can, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of upper arm strength. <laughs> uh, one last tip for all of our listeners. If your manual isn't helpful on a topic, we suggest visiting the machine company's website for extra resources. Most of them have how-to videos or extra troubleshooting help which is especially helpful when you're a visual learner. You can also try using YouTube to find video answers to your specific problems. You'd be surprised how many videos are out there for your specific model of machine. And follow the machine brand and their ambassadors on social media. It's nice to see other quilters out there using and posting about the machine. They're all great resources for learning more about what your machine is capable of. Love it. So we hope some of what we talked about today inspires you to learn more about the capabilities of your machine, whether it's just reading the manual to see the correct settings or how to care and clean your machine to having fun playing around with all the different features your machine has to offer. You might just be surprised at what it can do. We're going to take a quick ad break, but stay tuned. When we come back, Doris will be sharing three stories of what quilt shops are doing through this pandemic. Welcome back. I'm now handing the mic back over to Doris. Hi, this is Doris Burnett, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine with another installment of Love Your Local Quilt Shop, where we feature the community connections and success stories of independent quilt shops. As we all know the world over, 2020 has been a most unusual year for everyone, including retail businesses. Independent quilt shops often rely on classes, quilt retreats, travel, and tourism for a portion of their sales. The need for social distancing canceled many classroom activities and most retreats, and not many of us have traveled very far this year. Changing Tides in Juneau, Alaska is a downtown quilt shop that caters to the many cruise ships that come to port May through September. Owner Jan Nardone 
loves meeting people from all over the world every summer. The coronavirus changed her world in an instant when travel and tourism was canceled. She lost 90% of her typical annual business. Like many shops, the focus turned to making masks and providing supplies for people in the community to sew masks. She and her staff are making the most of this quiet year by connecting more with their local clientele, keeping up connections on the Changing Tides Facebook page, and staying positive and looking forward to next summer. Jan says, we are confident that people will always want to travel to our beautiful state. And of course, if they're quilters, check out Changing Tides. Village Quilting in Rock Hall, Maryland is another tourist-focused shop. Located in a small town on the Chesapeake Bay, Village Quilting is in a two-story building with just 675 square feet of retail space. The shop caters to locals as well as boating tourists visiting this vibrant and artistic Bayside community. When the pandemic hit, the shop initially closed for three days, but owners Ed and Donna Mercer came in to quilt some of the quilty, quilts in their long-arm queue. Even though closed, the phone never stopped ringing. Quilters were wanting to purchase mask-making supplies, but only essential businesses could open for business. The Mercers contacted their mayor, and by the next day, the village government had deemed them an essential business. Being the only fabric shop in two counties, Village Quilting immediately got busy selling mask-making supplies. Their customers began sewing up a storm to donate masks, and people teamed up to mass-produce masks and scrubs. One employee alone made over 500 masks that were donated to first responders and hospitals along the eastern shore. Owner Donna Mercer says, The sewing machines were humming in town, and our local sewing machine repairman has never been this busy. With only two employees, Village Quilting remains committed to their small community. Even shops that don't rely as heavily on tourism for business had to find creative ways to make sales and keep their clientele well supplied throughout the pandemic. In Bluffton, Indiana, the crew at Quilts and Gifts kept up their positive attitude and their focus on strong customer service by fulfilling internet orders on the same day if received by 10.30 a.m. or the next day at the latest. Needless to say, a lot of internet customers were very happy to receive their goods so promptly. While on complete lockdown, the shop kept their phone lines open, including the owner's cell phone, in order to help customers with any and all questions. Owner Mary Parada also offered window shopping, which was a contact-free way for customers to shop at the store. The customer could pull up outside the store, call Mary on her cell phone, and while communicating over the phone, tell Mary what they were looking for, what they needed, and ask questions, and Mary would proceed to find fabrics and products to suit their needs and show them the products throughout the, through the window. The customer could then choose what they wanted by window shopping and pay via credit card. Mary would leave the package on a bench outside the door for the customer to pick up from there. Even after reopening their doors, Mary and her staff have continued to offer this service, particularly for their elderly customers that have trouble getting in and out of the car, and for those who still do not feel comfortable going into a business. I love that idea. Supporting local businesses and our independent quilt shops has never been more important than it is right now. Visit these shops online, as well as the shops featured in Quilt Sampler magazine and the quilt shops in your own area, and consider purchasing a gift certificate for the holidays for your favorite quilter or for yourself to show your support. 
Thanks so much for sharing those stories, Doris. As we continue to navigate this pandemic, it's so important to support your local businesses and your local quilt shops. So we just love hearing about those shops that are going above and beyond to connect with their customers still. Now we're moving on to reader tips, a segment where we share your best sewing advice. We've had some great submissions recently. So many times I read the emails of these tips and I just can't believe how creative and industrious our listeners are. So this first tip comes from Patricia Ward from Boston, New York, and she says, Each time I give a quilt as a gift, I include two color catcher sheets and instructions on how to wash the quilt. I also wrap the quilt in a reusable shopping bag as an extra present. That is a great reminder as we approach the gift giving season. I know I also include color catchers and some basic instructions when I gift a quilt because you definitely don't want a quilt uh, running dye on the recipient and them feeling so bad. And I even wash my quilts before I gift it just to make extra sure. <laughs> Okay, this next tip is from Caroline Caslow of Lakeland, Florida. She says, When quilting a long stretch, it's inconvenient to run out of bobbin thread. To prevent this, I wind two bobbins, one for the bobbin case and one for the spool pin. By watching the bobbin on the spool pin, I can anticipate when the bottom bobbin will run out and I don't sew without thread. This is genius. I don't know how many times in my quilting life I have played bobbin chicken and thought I could get one more seam sewn or do one more line of machine quilting and I run out and have to rip up stitches. So this is a great idea. I'm definitely gonna try this one next time. Okay, this tip is from Pam Martin of, oh, I'm gonna butcher the city name, Canandaiga, New York. Sorry if I mispronounced that. She says, I use a magnetic holder usually used for tools or knives to keep my scissors right by my cutting table. The strong magnet accommodates all sizes and shapes. Great idea. I know I have one of those magnetic strips in my kitchen for my knives, but it would be so handy to have one in my sewing room too. Joanne Kalu of Armstrong, British Columbia says, when cutting stripped piece units into smaller segments, I cut from the reverse side. It's easier for me to see the seam lines for lining up the ruler and any pressing inaccuracies do not cause problems. So if you can't picture what she's talking about, think of any strip pieced segment you've sewn where there's been you know, maybe three or four strips sewn together. Sometimes if your pressing isn't quite accurate, it's hard to tell um, when you're cutting those strips, where to line your ruler up because things might be a little wavy. So it's a great idea to do it from the backside because you can line it up directly with your stitching line. So that should help you get things a little more accurate. And then our last tip is from Joanne Nellison of Chesterton, Indiana. And she says, to stay organized, I purchase two planners every year and designate one for quilt events only. I put quilt meetings, shows, exhibits, retreats, and other related activities on the calendar and clip brochures, reservation confirmations, and other pertinent information to the pages. 
Well, hopefully we'll be doing a little more traveling next year or uh, some of our you know, local events might start up again soon so we can do things safely. So we might have things to fill in our calendar in 2021. Well, of course, we always love hearing everyone's tips. So if you have one to share, just shoot us an email at apqtips at meredith.com. I love to read all of them and we are always featuring new ones on the podcast. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing tips for trimming your blocks to size and how to organize your sewing machine parts. Welcome back. I'm here with Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More for Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or technique. Joanna, what are we tackling today? Today, we're going to talk about something that seems pretty self-explanatory, but can actually be a little tricky, trimming blocks down to size. I, like many quilters, like to make my blocks a little too big and then cut them down to size in an effort to be as accurate and precise as possible. How about you, Lindsay? Do you tend to go the trimming route or do you prefer to make your blocks the size they're written to be? I'm the same as you. I would rather use up the extra fabric and take the time to trim in order to get my blocks the exact right size than potentially struggling with them later in the project. I definitely don't think you're alone in that. Most quilters I know don't trust themselves to have a perfectly accurate seam allowance or to perfectly press their blocks 100% of the time. So trimming takes some of the stress out of the process. So my first tip for trimming is to find the best ruler for the job. Try to find a ruler that is the same size as the block to easily trim all your blocks to the same size and make sure that everything stays square. If you only have a bigger ruler, try using washi or masking tape to mark what lines on the ruler your trim blocked needs to line up with. Just make sure your tape doesn't obscure your view. You want to visually check that you still have enough excess fabric on all the sides you haven't trimmed yet and adjust your trimming if necessary. Otherwise, you can end up with a block that's the correct size, but the piecing you did is lopsided. Finally, your ruler should have any angles you need marked on it. I trim triangle squares the most often, so I tend to need a 45 degree mark that I can line up with my diagonal seam. If you line up that angle and then trim to size, you should end up with a triangle square that has the seam going in a perfect diagonal line from corner to corner of the block. My second tip has to do with points. If you're trimming an oversized unit that has a point, such as a square and a square unit or a star block, you'll want to trim in such a way that you don't lose the point when you join the unit to other pieces of the quilt top. Usually when trimming something with a point, you try to line up the quarter inch line of the ruler with the exact point of the unit, giving you an exact quarter inch seam allowance. Next time, try to align the quarter inch line of the ruler just a couple of threads away from the point. This basically creates a scant quarter inch seam allowance. The reason why this can be helpful is that a tiny bit of fabric is lost in the process of pressing. So having a couple threads of space can make up for that lost fabric. When you press open the blocks, the point should fall right at the crease of the seam. And you may even want to consider buying a specialty ruler to get the job done, especially for common sizes or common units like, you know, your triangle squares or your flying geese. So Block Lock is a common brand that offers rulers to trim many sizes of the same unit. There's a lot of them out there. This is just a pretty common one. Um, so that, you know, 
if you use it to trim many sides of the same unit, it works with any size you're working with. So you really only need that one ruler. You don't have to buy one for every size. Um, I know I personally bought one for flying geese units and it, it really makes the process so much easier. And you may even want to consider buying a rotating cutting mat so that you can turn and trim without needing to reposition your unit every time you cut. Or you can try this hack. You can place a smaller cutting mat on top of a larger cutting mat, and it works almost like a rotating cutting mat to make things a little quicker. Ooh, those are great tips too. I actually walk around my mat, which feels oh, yeah. ridiculous, but it works kind of in a similar way. Um, I have a small curved table, otherwise that would not work. Uh -huh. but, um, <laughs> and I can second, the block lock rulers are very helpful. So just a little word of encouragement. It can take a little time to get used to the process of trimming, especially if you don't do it often, but it's definitely worth it. Be sure to use a sharp rotary cutter blade and anti-slip products on your rulers to make the cutting process just a little bit easier because you don't want your ruler to slip. Um, but don't get discouraged. If you find trimming troublesome or time-consuming, it does get easier the more you practice. Find a ruler you like, and you'll get faster and faster at trimming in no time. Thanks so much, Joanna. Now I'm here with Elizabeth, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting, for Get Organized, a segment where we give storage tips for your sewing space. Elizabeth, early on the show, we shared some tips for knowing your sewing machine better. So I thought it would be fun for you to give some tips for organizing sewing machine accessories. Absolutely. So we bet some of you listening right now have their sewing machine accessories just shoved in a drawer or even left them in the sewing machine box in the closet. I know I've been guilty of that in the past. Me too. So if you, have, if you own more than one machine or want to make the most of your accessories, it's important to keep them organized. I agree. So let's start with the most simple solution. What's the quickest and easiest way for someone to get their sewing machine parts and pieces organized? So the easiest thing you can do is to get um, one of those clear plastic storage containers for each machine you own. Now place the sewing, you can place the sewing manual, accessories, cords, and extra add-ons for each machine in its own storage bin. Clearly label the container with the name of the machine so you can see right away which machine the accessories belong to when you're grabbing some for a project or just putting them away later. I love it. It's so easy. <laughs> now, that's a great solution when you're using your machine for the most basic purposes and you're not switching you know, your feet or your, your needle plates um, out very often. Um, but it's it's most likely you'd store the plastic container in a closet or like in an out-of-the-way shelf. So what about an idea for the people who use all their feet on their machine often? Right. So if you love to swap out your machine feet, um, I would suggest using a clear plastic container meant for organizing beads. You can typically find these at your local craft store. And these bead organize organizers have dividers within the container to separate all of your feet. I would suggest labeling the divided sections so you can quickly find the feet you're looking for and then easily put them back in the right spot when you're done with them. The best part is that these smaller containers easily fit in the top drawer of your sewing machine table and can be quickly thrown in a bag on your way to a retreat so you have all your feet handy while you're sewing. Great solution. And those clear storage containers come in so many shapes and sizes, so you're bound to find one for every need. 
Now let's talk about bobbins. That's something I find hard to store since they're so small and they can roll a you know, around in a storage container. Yeah, and so I have a really easy solution for this. And you probably have what you need in your home already. So I would suggest using an old pill bottle to store bobbins. Each pill bottle can fit up to five bobbins and it holds them snugly so they won't roll around in a drawer. This is really handy if you like to pre-wind your bobbins because the pill bottle will keep them neat and prevent the thread from unraveling while in storage. Yeah, and a pill bottle is just so easy to throw in your bag if you like to sew on the go. So the bobbins can hold a variety of thread colors for your hand sewing projects. Now let's move on to machine feet and cords. So we use a few tricks in our crafts lab for keeping these type of things organized. That's right. And since we own many sewing machines, we make sure to label the bottom of every machine pedal and every power cord with the name of the machine. So if things get moved or packed away, we always know what machine it belongs to. And you can do that with a label maker or by color coordinating each machine to a specific color of washi tape. For instance, every cord and foot with a blue tape belongs to the sewing machine with a little piece of blue tape on the back of it. That's an easy way to keep cords from getting tangled when not in use with Velcro cable ties. Yeah, those cable ties are truly one of our favorite ways to corral our cords. Um, it's perfect for your iron cords too. Uh, speaking of Velcro, we have another idea for using that with your sewing machine accessories. That's right. And you can keep your most used accessories close at hand with those little sticky Velcro dots. You can put one on the side of the machine um, and the other side on the accessory you want to keep handy. We really love this idea for keeping your machine screwdriver ready to use, especially if you change your feet and needles out often. Thanks, Elizabeth. These are all great ideas. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Mm -hmm.